often when I talk to people about natural running, we point to like the Tatarmara Indians in Mexico or indigenous tribes uh, in Africa where they grow up running barefoot and then they continue running either barefoot or in super thin shoes. And they're very successful runners. And people yeah. sometimes respond, yeah, but they grew up that way. I can't do that. Is that true? Maybe. I don't know. We're going to take a look on today's episode of the Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body. Starting feet first, usually because, you know, those things are your foundation, but there are other parts that are important too. Um, we also break down the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the outright lies you've been told about what it takes to walk or run or hike or play or dance or do yoga or CrossFit or lift or anything you can think of and to do that enjoyably, efficiently, effectively. Did I mention enjoyably? I know I did. That's a trick question. Um, because the whole point is, look, if you're not having fun, do something different so you are. Life is way too short. And by the way, we call this the movement movement because we're creating a movement that involves you. And I'll explain more in a second about natural movement, letting your body do what it's supposed to do. The part that's about you is really simple. We're, you know, you're spreading the word. So the way you spread the word, come check out our website, www.jointhemovementmovement.com. There's no cost to join, uh, but you can sign up to find out when we have new episodes or anything special going on. You can find all the different places that this podcast uh, shows up, including YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all things like that. And you can, of course, um, you know, give us a thumbs up and like and share and subscribe and all those things you know how to do. In short, if you want to be part of the tribe, just subscribe. So let's jump in. Jerry, it is a pleasure to have you here. It's my favorite thing to do right now is not introduce you, but let you do that. So you can tell people who you are and what you do. Yeah. Well, Steve, I want to thank you so much for letting me be a guest on your show. Um, it's an honor to be among uh, many other rock stars in uh, their respective fields. So thank you. For me, uh, I've been in practice for about 20 years as a physio. I have a practice in Wycliffe Lake, New Jersey, and we specialize in treating active people, men and women over 40, and their families uh, to stay active and fit without medications, injections, or surgery. So we see crossfitters, we see runners, we see triathletes, uh, people who are really into just fitness itself. So what's your background? What got you here? Oh, so basically for, I guess when I was younger, uh, I had wanted to help people, of course, and I had a desire to be in the healthcare field. And I found that uh, physical therapy was a way to blend your science, your biomechanics with helping people to avoid surgery and stay active. And through the years, as I've gotten older, I've been focusing more on the people over 40 because I'm kind of walking along with them as I'm also in my 40s. And hey, what better to have a coach who's also knowing what you're going through, the, you know, getting up and being stiff and needing more time to warm up. And it's been a great journey for me to get here. Yeah, so... Um, I, you know, the funny thing that I notice about what changes I've gotten older, in addition to taking more time to warm up is as a sprinter, it takes me more time to slow down. So I, you know, at the end of something, I just like really stretch it out and, and don't slow down like in two steps, I'll just keep going, which makes yeah. me want to build a track that has a giant gymnastics foam pit at the end. <laughs> so you can just jump right in, which would be fun. Yeah, I hear you saying, yeah. So talk to me, you know, look, we have a lot of um, physiotherapists and, and physical therapists, depending on which side of the ocean they're on, exactly. who uh, want to be on this podcast, who are not on this podcast, because they're fundamentally not doing anything different than anybody else. And when you reached out and when we reached back out or however the hell the reaching happened, uh, it was clear that that was not the case here. So talk to me about what you're doing that distinguishes you and what you do with human beings from the average physical therapist that somebody might bump into. Yeah, thanks for asking. So I'm going to talk about top level approach um, or sort of view of our, our clinic and our practice. Um, we have amazing staff everywhere from our uh, business manager and our operations staff all the way to our clinical team. 
everybody just has a really good team approach to how they want to have every patient and client come in, experience that environment of sort of a family feel, a community feel. And as you and I know both, that when you feel like you're cared for, when you feel that somebody really has your best interests in mind, you're going to have a much better hope of getting better. And so that's been instilled in my team from day one. So it's all about let's have the best patient experience, best client experience for everybody coming in. They know they're cared for. They know they're getting expert help. A lot of people, when they give us testimonials, are like, hey, you know, you guys, not only do you, are you professional and you know what you're doing, but you guys also provide that community feel. I feel like I'm going to get better by being here. So on that top level, that's what we do. Now, if we look at our clinical team, everyone is very <laughs> By active. The way, I'm so glad you're heading there because I was going, yeah, enough of that touchy-feely crap. Let's get into the... <laughs> yeah. So uh, with, our, <laughs> with our clinical team, everyone is very active. So all of us are either uh, former athletes, like Dr. John is a former Division One swimmer. Dr. Dave uh, was a wrestler and is really into treating Division One athletes and high-performance athletes. Um, Alex was also a former gymnast. Pam was a high-level high soccer player. So everybody in our clinical team just really gets it. And um, as far as our approach goes, it's really about, let's just break it down for you. And we want to get you back to what you want to be. So if your goal is to, I want to get back into running, I want to get back to my CrossFit. Okay. So here we are today. This is our phase one of our MEI method, which is Move Cell Inspire. And we're going to get you so that we can calm that pain down and get your brain to sort of calm down that pain as well. Then we're going to move you into the things that you want to do, but we're going to be very careful about loading it. So it's about sort of like that load and expose, but in a very intelligent dosage, if you will. Because you know what happens when people start feeling better, what do they do? They so test right back. Yeah. From there, we get to our aspire phase where it's about helping people to say, okay, listen, now let's get, let's get you back into your running, into your lifting. But instead, what we're going to do is be very careful again about dosing it correctly. So because we want you to get back to what it is 100% for sure, but it's going to take us some time especially for us over 30 and 40, we're going to have to get to a little bit more gradually and intelligently. So there's two questions that pop into my mind about that. One is, um, and I don't know which is which one I want to do first. So I'm going to spit them both out and you can decide what to do. And we might do one and then forget about the other. Who the hell knows? So the first question is for people who are listening, if you can think about like the most common problem somebody might come in with. And one of the things that you might be able to recommend uh, I'm trying to think of how to ask this, that people who are listening or watching could do, but I want to highlight how it's different than what other people might do. In other words, if you're having people start somewhere slightly differently than what they might be thinking they should do, that would be really cool. But the other part is simply the age thing is yeah. that what are you doing differently with people because of the age compared to earlier? And this goes back to what we, what I teased the opening with yeah. of, you know, is it, are you too old to learn? Can you really make these significant changes in movement patterns and gait patterns, et cetera, at any age? And if so, how does one do that? Yeah. So I'll answer the second question first. And I would say that first of all, everyone has a high capacity to change no matter how old you are for sure. It just takes us longer to get there. And I think a lot of it has to do with coaching them correctly on the mental game too, Steve, where it's like, listen, I know you want to get here. We have these things we have to deal with. These are your impairments. These are your mobility restrictions. These are your strength deficits. Let's work on these basic fundamentals that are related to whether it's running cross or what have you and carefully, again, dose it correctly so that when you get back to what you want to do, you are going to go to that level very strong and and very confidently. Well, I'm going to um, shorten that to, it sounds like the change in the mental game is dealing with the fact that those of us who are getting older, um, our brains think we're one age and our body thinks we're another. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it is. And, you know, that's, and that's actually puts a lot of people in danger, right, Steve? It's like, well, when I was in my twenties, I could do this. 
and they still think that's in their 20s. And right. that's when that friction between what your body's going through right now and where your body was back then have that conflict. And sometimes things just don't go right. Yeah, not so much. It took me a long time to learn that when I used to train in my 20s and into my 30s, if I had the thought, let me just do one more set, rep, whatever it is, totally fine. And now when I think, let me do one more, that's my cue to stop. I'm exactly in the same boat as you were. When I start feeling a little bit of something, I'm like, you know what? It's not worth that rep. Let's just take a step back and scale back. But I think it's that voice of reason that sometimes our older athletes need to hear. And listen, it's great that you ran five today. And it's great that you were able to have the sense not to run that sixth because that's where our threshold was. Mm-hmm. So it's about having them change their, their game too, and adapting to where they might be in life uh, to accommodate that. Got it. So if you can say anything more specific about just that transition for, you know, into new movement patterns, new strength or whatever for older athletes or not even athletes, just for older humans, what do you do or what do you, what would you say about that? So uh, depending on what that person might be. So let's just take a runner, for example, if they're looking to transition into um, a, a minimalist shoe or into running forefoot strike, um, it's really about, Hey, listen, let's just start with some static stuff. And this might even apply to a lifter who wants to lift heavy weights. Let's just start with basic with a body squat, get your body to adapt to that particular weight or load. And from there, let's carefully now meter out what needs to be done for the next step. So it's like taking the movement they want to do, breaking it down to body weight calisthenics first, having their form be perfect in that position or technique. And then from there, start loading it as we go. Whereas if you go to some places, they might just say, well, let's just, you know, give you pink bands or, or pink weights to do. And that's your rehab experience. And a lot of us gone, have gone through that. They're not really loading correctly. They're not loading enough. And a lot of our, I've met a lot of physios who are free to load because, well, I don't know if they can handle, you know, benching 200, but that's kind of their goal. So you have to really match up with what they're trying to do. So I think that's where understanding what the athlete's mindset is and where they want to go, I think makes us different where we're trying to really push them into those, even into those painful areas. Like, listen, you know, this is where the threshold was. I want you to get it past that. So we're going to have to really kind of increase the intensity. And that's where... I think a lot of physios need to really um, take that into consideration whether or not. So if we're going to use the example that you gave, which is one that is obviously near and dear to my heart about natural running, um, whether it's barefoot or minimalist, which will involve landing midfoot or forefoot, typically forefoot. Um, yeah. So the first thing you talked about is just doing bodyweight squats. Can you talk about other things that you're doing with people to get them used to or acclimated to the kind of loading? I mean, basically I'm looking for, you know, from your perspective, what a sequence is from someone walking in the door to when yeah. you and they feel confident that they can kick off their shoes, for example, and go out and run. I'm I'm not going to say, you know, run a half marathon or marathon, just, you know, to be able to get out on a road and run comfortably um, in that condition. Sure. So when they come in and first of all, um, if we're looking at somebody to transition to minimal issue, obviously the first thing I'll say is, listen, well, you got to see where you're at right now first. And we'll kind of go through our evaluation. What are you looking for or at when you do that? So looking at prior history, prior injuries, if you had, so for existing, like an existing Achilles tear, we might be a little bit more ginger about how long it's going to take for you to transition into running more okay. of the normalist. Got it. Sure. Basically just getting a baseline for where someone is. Baseline. Exactly. That's exactly where we are. And from there, now we work on like, Hey, listen, you know, you're used to wearing these shoes that are restrictive. Obviously shoes like zero, for example, other minimalist shoes are going to give you that sort of like a working your feet out because you haven't been using the, the feet and the toes, and all the intrinsic muscles that help to govern movement in the foot. So let's have you start walking around the house barefoot. Let's have you start walking in minimal shoes. Um, I know you had Irene Davis on your show a while back. Yep. And she was saying how like, even if you are walking in minimal shoes, you are training the, the muscles of your feet 
to be able to adapt to the changes that need to go. So even just walking around the house, you know, having it maybe throughout the day is like, well, I get, I notice I'm mean, if he gets tired as I'm trying to wear these minimalist shoes. Okay. Well, let's just say two hours on two hours off. Let's just start gradually going into that. And that should be like a phase one kind of ordeal standing on one foot, you know, very easy kinds of activities where you're feeling the ground from there. You can progress into say standing on a foam mat to where you're swinging your leg all around on one foot so that your feet are, again, you're really training those muscles in the foot to be able to adapt to the change that, that needs to occur later on. From there, we're going to start adding in drills dynamically, whether it's stationary running drills. So just by running in, in place, as you know, Steve, as a coach, you're going to be running, you're going to be landing forefoot as it is. So people are like, oh, I didn't know it was just this easy to really kind of think about. And from that concept, we start adding in like the free, uh, the fall forward. So having them understand that, listen, you can get free speed by letting gravity help you. And so they get that feeling, the brain starts to connect to their feet and to the demands that are required. And from there, we start adding in distance. So it's like, okay, listen, on your run today, I want you to go run for a minute and then walk and really be aware of how you feel. Because by this time, they've been wearing their minimal shoes. So they're adapting their Achilles, their calves have really adapted to that uh, demands of uh, uh, running that way. So as they go into that, into that stage, we then start adding distance over time. And I'd say the process as a whole, Steve, really takes about, I would say from your experience, maybe two or three to four months of safely being able to transition someone into that, into that area. Into, as a, yeah. as a I mean, I think Irene's point is, you know, if you're just going to start walking, if your feet get tired, you know, give yourself some rest, but there, there's really very little to no transition time required for walking. But if you're going to do something more high performance, whether it's running or lifting, you know, then there is going to be a different transition period because right. you're, you are getting used to that. So what you just did actually is in a way answering my, that first question that I totally forgot from five minutes ago. <laughs> so, which is good because I totally forgot it, but you know, are there any, any other things that you can think of that when people come in, they have certain ideas about what the process will be like to learn some new way of moving that's going to be healthier, et cetera, that you have to rid them of in some way? Oh, sure. Um, so for example, uh, uh, we have people who want to learn how to squat properly. So they'll come in and we'll evaluate their squat. Again, look at their history, get that baseline of their movement. And from there, we'll say, okay, let's, let's see, what that, see what that looks like. We'll film them and videotape them to have them see the feedback right away. It's like, this is what you look like. And then we'll say, this is what I want you to look like. And we'll demonstrate the movement ourselves so they can get that sort of uh, visual cue. We'll have them retest um, over and over again up over petitions and then show them, okay, now you've improved. This is what you need to work on now. So just to fine tune the movements. And then from there, it's okay, let's add a kettlebell. As I feel in your feet, where do you feel weight distribution? And start working through that. Okay, now let's add in the barbell. How does that feel on your back? How does it feel if you're doing a front squat on, on your shoulders and the mobility that you need to get there? And from there, we start building them up. And, you know, for them, they're often like, well, I didn't realize it was going to take this long to understand this movement. Well, it's, you know, it's like everyone wants to like instant fix, instant sort of results. And that's where we're trying to, you know, I guess, change their mind saying, listen, it's going to take you a little bit longer than you think, but you're getting there. You know, here's a progress that we see objectively. It's interesting. Um, I love that you're videotaping people. One of the things that I've noticed is many people, most of us, I would argue all of us at, at a certain level, have a mismatch between what we think we're doing and what we're actually doing. Our proprioceptive skills are not what we think they are. And even if we have good proprioceptive skills, um, there's going to be subtle things. The better you get, the more subtle the things are where yeah. you, what you're doing and what you think you're doing are, are out of line. Um, I got videotaped last week. Do you know um, Nicholas Romanoff, the guy who came up with the pose method? Yes, of course. So Nick oh was God. here, he and his son Severin came and spent a couple of days here and they said, let's go out and videotape you. And so yeah. I was like, awesome. I can't wait for you to find out what's wrong. And, and so, cause I know there's going to be something that I can improve. Yeah. 
And what they identified was something that's super, super subtle. Again, I mean, I'm a master's all-American sprinter. I'm pretty yeah. good at what I do. But what they found was something that I would have never known if I hadn't seen it on video. And that's the only way that I'm going to be able to correct it is by continuing, or at least for now, is by continuing to get that feedback about what, because now... I know what I need to do. I didn't need to see someone doing it perfectly. Although I, we did watch slow-mo video of Usain Bolt, but believe it or not, I am no Usain Bolt. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a short white Jew and not a tall black Jamaican. Not the Jew and Jamaican or any way, you know, yeah, exactly. you get the point. So I don't eat yams. Let's say that. I, I don't like yeah. yams. Anyway, it was very helpful because, you know, him saying, here's what you need to do. And here's what you're doing. I didn't need to see a video of someone doing what I needed to do. Cause I could yeah. tell I, that one. Yeah. So, so that's super, super helpful. And this, the slowing people down is also helpful because what people don't realize is that the only way you adopt a new movement pattern is by doing it slowly, correctly. And once you can do it correctly, then you can pick up the speed a little bit, and then you're going to get it wrong every now and then, and then you back it up until eventually, you know, the speed and accuracy improve until you can't do it wrong. And exactly. I just remembered, I had one sprinting coach who said that to me when we were learning a new way of doing sprinting drills. He said, at first, you're going to try to figure out how to do it right. You need to get to the point where you can't do it wrong. Exactly. That's true. And it's funny because um, you've done the 2D analysis. We're now doing 3D analysis for gate. And if you ever want to come by, pick it out. It's amazing. So in real time, you're seeing, you know, take, you know, minus the clothes, minus your muscles, you're seeing real time footage of yourself running in space. So you can actually autocorrect in real time watching yourself on the screen, which is wild. Well, that's, you know, the whole thing of instant feedback is super, super important. It's something, hey, you just, there you go. Now you're back. Um, it's something that, that Irene Davis does in her lab where yeah. there's, like you said, there's strengthening and exercise she's doing in advance. But then for some of the gait retraining is you need that real-time feedback. I mean, ideally, yeah. you don't need it, yeah. need it, but it certainly helps. Um, one of the things that she does, I don't think we talked about it on, on her podcast, so I'll tell you now, and I don't know if you've yeah. ever done this. She'll have people run on a treadmill and there's a mirror in front of the treadmill. And she oh, has yeah. she has a, a drape that she can drop over the mirror so you can yeah. see yourself or yeah. not see yourself. Yeah. And mostly she's using this for people where if they're running, their knees are coming inwards. They have vastus valgus. Yeah. And that's usually because their glute isn't, firing yeah. properly to externally rotate their femur to get their knees pointing straight. So what yeah. she does, she comes and she pokes them in the butt and says, tense that up. So I can't poke in as far. And then they're going, and for often for people for the first time, they're going, Oh, that's my glutes. You know, they have no idea. And that'll straighten out their knees or she'll just say, straighten out your knees. And now I want you to run and look in the mirror and keep your knees straight yeah. and just get used to doing that. And then what she'll do is like put the drape down so they can't see themselves for 30 seconds at a time. So they have to internalize that process. Yeah. So it's intermittent sort of uh, feedback, which is yeah, great yeah, yeah. to learn. Yeah. Uh, we also have a mirror in our clinic where we have people run towards a mirror to see themselves. And they can also see if they do have a, a collapsing sort of valgus, they'll see that, oh, I didn't realize my knees actually collapsed that bad. But right. yeah, now let's try to work on that. Yeah. It's amazing that people don't avail themselves of getting that kind of video feedback. And man, I was driving down the street the other day and I saw a woman running, clearly an accomplished runner. I mean, just, yeah. there was so much about her that was right on point, except for the fact that her knees were like banging into each other with every stride and her feet were, you know, like pointing out. I mean, it looked like clown running in a way. And I'm thinking if you haven't been injured, you're about to. And that's something, again, that's one that's relatively straightforward to yeah. correct. It just does take time. And as you were saying earlier, you know, the older we get, it doesn't stop us from doing it. It just takes a little more time because frankly, because our brain just isn't as neuroplastic as it used to be. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's funny thing that we've been getting on the topic of 
uh, correct me form, um, how much of strength training can really help to get those muscles to fire the right way. And just by bringing the awareness of your brain to those areas to start working right, because you haven't been using them right, just like we talked about the feet, needing time to adapt to you know, using those intrinsics again. So for example, we have runners who are like, well, I've been running my whole life and whatnot. And you know, I've been dealing with this knee issue. We'll let's take a look at your movement. And when we see that collapse, obviously we're going to test out the glute medius. And we test out, well, this is you know, pretty weak. So, you know, no wonder you're collapsing. No wonder you have the IT band issue that you've been dealing with for years and years. Right. So we start looking at those components. And for them, they start becoming believers when they see the result of working on those areas. And again, it's like, it's coaching them and convincing them that, yes, running is important. It's great. I want you to do that forever. But let's work on these couple of things to make you even better at running. So there's a lot of let's call it conversation for the sake of being polite, which is odd because I never do that. Um, but what the hell? It's a, you know, we're taping this on a Friday. I'm in a crazy mood. I'm being polite. So the, let's say politely, there are conversations about lifting and running or strength yeah. and running or strength training and running. What thoughts do you have about that? Or what have you discovered that is either things people need to know or things people need to unknow? Oh, it's funny. Um, first of all, there's still this friction with some runners and with lifting saying, well, you know, and it happens to be a lot of our female clients will say, well, I don't want to put on that bulk. I don't want to get like, big. Right. I don't want to tell you this. Uh, you're probably not going to put on the kind of bulk that you think for many different reasons. You can take the so, word probably out of that. Exactly. You're not going to exactly. And then from there, it's like, well, I don't know how this is going to help my running. But well, if you are stronger, if your glutes, for example, on your hamstrings, because a lot of runners don't access those muscles. And your core muscles are using that you're using as well. If they're in better shape, you're going to be able to run longer, first of all. And your ability to dampen the forces on your body and your joints is going to be that much better. And it's that much more necessary as you and I get older. And obviously, as we get older too, there's sort of sarcopenia where we're decreasing muscle mass as we get older as it is. So you want to maintain what you have um, on your skeleton so that when you are running, when you're doing things in life, you will have the power to be able to get through and perform like you, you want to perform. Am I the only person who thinks the word sarcopenia should refer to something else that's kind of perverted? Is it just me? <laughs> just saying. So I just had a thought from what, you were, what you said that I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I found it interesting when it popped into my brain. And that is it's maybe one of the advantages of strength training is not even necessarily that you're getting stronger because if you're, especially if you're a distance runner, you can't just keep applying force all day, every day. My hunch is that what's going on from strength training has to do as maybe has to do with as much about awareness as anything else. So you're becoming aware of certain muscles, certain muscle groups, certain patterns that you weren't aware of before, aware of in the same way. And that as you're running, that awareness will translate into different kinds of movement because now you have information at your disposal that you didn't have previously. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's funny you say that because uh, let's take the example of uh, the genuvalgum where people need collapse of the knees. If I'm having you do lunges with weight and load and you're watching yourself in the mirror and you're seeing and you're, you're able to control your knee in a much better position, you're going to see the result of that. And that's going to translate into activities that you're doing with running as well, for sure. And you're also strengthening those muscles too. Well, because you know, I'm I'm thinking about the whole idea of getting stronger. I did something the other day as part of a workout where it was doing single leg calf raises, oh, um, yeah. and basically as many as I could do in five minutes. And so I just do I would do a set till I oh. you know couldn't do another rep, switch feet, yeah. and repeat. I ended up doing seventy two per foot. It's impressive. Um, 
And um, that was two days ago. And I think I'll be able to walk by tomorrow. Now, <laughs> I have no problem running where I'm applying, you know, where I'm doing way more than 72 strides per foot. I'm doing yeah. you know, many, many, many times that. So clearly getting a little bit stronger is not going to be, the th- is not going to be the thing that changes my running. And I don't know that I need more awareness about my calves, but that's what yeah. made, partly what made me think about the whole awareness component rather than yeah. just the getting stronger. Because if it's just about getting stronger, then some giant Olympic lifter should be faster, but they're not. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And I would say that I would agree with you where that I would say the awareness supersedes the strength, especially in runners because they're doing this repetitively, but for sure the strengthening will benefit for them, uh, the the awareness part and also for their uh, running itself. Well, and also, you know, it's a different thing. Like I think about distance runners versus sprinters and the supplying force idea over time. One of my best friends is a world champion cross-country runner. He can run, he can do like a 200 meter run and then rest for 30 seconds and then do another 200 meters and rest for 30 seconds. He can do that all day long. He never gets any faster or slower for that matter. But, you know, conversely, I can do two of those at full speed. I mean, his full speed, he can just keep doing it over and over and over. But his full speed is significantly slower than mine. And, you know, and I can only do a couple of them until I'm done for the day. And so there (laughs) is that difference in how your body processes energy and, and creates energy that is different for people who are fast twitch people, sprinter, power lifter people versus slower twitch, longer distance people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that a lot of our uh, strength coaches and our physios that we work with also say that on top of the awareness benefits from lifting heavy for long distance runners, you also get that hormonal input from growth hormone, from testosterone that gets secreted when you lift heavily. So even for our triathletes, and we've seen big performance changes in our athletes where once a week in season, they'll lift heavy, they'll deadlift, they'll squat heavy. And those recovery days, they feel, you know, I, I feel like I can run stronger now. I can swim faster, whatever it's going to be. So they're getting the, this great input uh, from the brain and from the hormones to be able to recover faster as well. Allison Felix's coach and uh, Allison, for people who don't know, is one of the most successful sprinters in history. Before she set a personal best in the 200 meters, the day before she set a personal best deadlifting. Wow. There you go. Yeah. That says a lot. And I want to highlight that point because most people, yeah. when they think about lifting, don't think about how to train for maximum strength, how to lift heavy. Uh, yeah. Can you give people any comments about that or any suggestions about how to do that in a way that's, uh, that will not terrify them? Because I know, look, big numbers are scary. I remember the first time yeah. I deadlifted 300, it was like, whoa, that was crazy. And the first time <laughs> I deadlifted 400, you know, it took me a while to psych up and then yeah. I did it. And then of course my next thought was crap. Now I got to go for 500. Luckily exactly. I'm smart <laughs> enough to not do that. But you know, the, as you start adding those numbers, some of them are psychological barriers, just like the way they are. Day, birthdays that end in zero or psychological yeah. numbers. Um, but talk about what it takes to train safely for lifting heavy. Yeah. So I think the first thing is I'm uh, making sure that if you don't know the movement itself, Steve, you definitely got to get a coach to help you out or a physio was trained in doing that. Starting off with the basic movement patterns and making sure that you have the right amount of movement to be able to even do these motions. So for example, if you had a back issue and you want to do deadlifts, let's make sure that that's not going to become a problem as you increase that load. Yeah. So that's the parts. From there, I think a gradual increase over time where you're increasing the load, you're decreasing reps and sets and testing things out as you go along. You know, if we're looking at strength, we're looking at anywhere from four to six sets for about, say, four to eight rep, repetitions. And so being careful about how you dose that over time will definitely help you to do it safely. Yeah, both of those are really good points. And making adjustments if you do have something. I mean, I have a compromised spine. And as much uh-huh. as I love to pull heavy and squat heavy, I have, uh, with great reluctance, stopped doing that. 
And so I'm doing other things instead, sometimes just single leg stuff. So I can use half the yeah. weight. Actually, I mean, crazy, if it's single leg, it's not half the weight. It's usually like three quarters of the weight, which is awesome. very weird. Um, <laughs> I'm not the only one. I mean, that's a very common yeah. phenomenon that you can do a single leg deadlift, for example, with almost, you know, two thirds, three quarters of the weight you do for both legs. What the hell's going on? What am I using my other leg for at all? Um, exactly. But also again, yeah, just uh, not just going for the numbers, but going for the numbers safely. And like you said before, every now and then kind of push yourself past that level of familiarity. Yeah, exactly. That does. I, yeah. I've got to be honest, I'm a little dubious about some of the hormonal stuff or more accurately is that what I've seen is that it wears off pretty quickly. So it's not like a systemic thing where you're increasing your free testosterone, but it does have an impact during your workout undeniably and helps you in certain ways. But there are some people who are selling the idea that, Hey, you want to get more testosterone, just squat. It's like, yeah, yeah that is just true. Yeah. yeah. And you have so much genetically too. Yeah. That you yeah. have your personal, you know. Yeah, sadly, that one's not true, or that would be that would be a piece of cake. And they go, well, look, you know, look at these really guys who guys who are huge and they've got high testosterone. Yeah, it's called because they're taking testosterone. <laughs> it's a slightly different thing. You can do that too if you want. So, anything else that you can think of for for sharing about, especially for older people? I was going to say athletes, but everyone's an athlete at a certain level. You're either if you're walking, you're an athlete. You're just a walker. Um, exactly. you, know, you can do that. But just for people who are whether they're rehabbing or trying try to improve, anything else that you want to toss in that you've discovered that would be helpful for them to know or get stop knowing? Yeah. Um, I think what I found, especially as you as we get older, um, having yourself surrounded by people who are also like-minded really matters. So I think why CrossFit has gotten so big and why these running clubs are so big too, you have that supportive network. And again, once you know, when you have that support, you feel confident as someone who's getting older as well. Having training partners, really important as well too. Huge. Yeah. As you and I know, like there are days where I was like, I don't know if I want to do that distance, but just by having somebody with you, you can really get to that, you know, where you want to hit those marks. So, and I would say as with everything, just make sure that, you know, you don't ignore the signs of injury or pain. It's uh, easy to do that as an athlete who's active, um, especially as we get older, Yeah. But making sure that you are being mindful of like, listen, maybe this isn't the day where I'm going to, you know, what about max today? Uh, maybe this isn't the day that I'm going to try to PR on that 5k because I'm feeling a little off. But being mindful and aware of those things will really kind of help you to maintain longevity in your activity. One of you remind me of, of another point, which is you know there's days where you feel like crap, and then you yeah. put it to the test, and you're actually doing fine. Yeah. And there's days that you feel good, and you put it to the test, and you really need to take today off. <laughs> And there's, you know, those days that are sort of uh, where it all lines up and you feel pretty good and you put it to the test. It's like, wow, I can really increase. But of course, the joke is you have to remember that that's not your new baseline. Exactly. Yeah, that's very you, true. You, you might have bumped it up a little, but a just little the bit. fact that that day you crushed it doesn't mean the next day you're going to crush it. Exactly. So we we to be careful of that as well. Like, you know, maybe that success isn't what you want to base your next. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, keep that in your back pocket. Exactly. Back, like, back off a little bit. And so exactly. Backing off a little bit. And I think that's where it comes down to, Steve. It's like, we need to understand, need something to tell us or help us to say, oh, you made that, you know, let's not use that as the gauge. Let's, let's back off a little bit. Well, since we, I brought up Usain Bolt a few times, you know, he ran 958 in Berlin, never ran anything like it afterwards. That wasn't his, you know, new baseline. That didn't become, the world record didn't become the next thing for him to break. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that was just, you know, the stars lined up and there it was, by the way, I was at the 70 meter mark, like five rows off the track when he wow. did that in Berlin, just co totally coincidentally. Oh. And I have to tell you, when you watch somebody run by you at almost 30 miles an hour, fast enough to get a ticket in my neighborhood, your brain just goes like this. It goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't seem real. 
That's amazing. It's so exciting to see that too. It was really fun. I've since gotten to train with some people who are, you know, who've gotten second place to him a number of times who are yeah. almost as fast. And same thing in real life. Like when you watch it on TV, it's like, okay, whatever. In real life, it just doesn't even look physically possible. It's like, oh I don't think your feet hit the ground. How did you, how did this just happen? It's really wild. Anyway, um, anything else that you can think of before we I dive into the simple thing of, you know, where people can track you down? Anything else that's left in your brain? Um, I would say that in general, um, just making sure that you, if you're going to work with a physio uh, in the future, if you need somebody, just making sure that you are aligned with what you need to get out of it. So what I mean by that is if you're a runner or if you're somebody who's very active in a particular area, making sure that your, your physio has actually worked with people in that, in that realm, because it's yeah. like, you know, if, if they're not active themselves and you're going in as a, as a runner or as a lifter, they don't have any background on that. They're not going to be able to get you to where you want to be. So it's really important for, for patients and clients to investigate who they're working with first. And I would add or argue that there are people who uh, they can't do, but can coach. And there yes. are people who can do, but can't coach. And Absolutely. so, um, you know, finding someone who can coach well, first and foremost, finding someone who can do well comes in handy also just because they've been through it personally. It's a slightly yeah. different thing to have that relationship. But I've also found that a lot of people who can do it, who then become coaches, they often still have... Um, some baggage from the way they learn things. They give cues that aren't really f effective yeah. for someone else, but that's the one that they learned. Or so. But to your point, I mean, I, I guess I would phrase that. I'm going to take what you said and reframe it as: feel free to shop around. Yes, exactly. And you know what else, Steve? Is like um, there are a lot of places out there where you go in and it's like maybe you'll spend five minutes with the therapist, and then the rest of the hour you're on your own. Right. And in that kind of place, that's not the place for you. You're not going to get the best care because you're, you're not able to have somebody who's attending to you specifically for your yeah. individual needs. That's a great thing. And, you know, the other thing is I would also suggest to people that be um, to do something that they rarely do with physical therapists or physios is, is be honest about what you're actually going to do on your own, which yeah. is typically nothing. You know, most people like they do it, they get homework from the physical therapist and they nod their head and they never do it. Um, yeah. And if that's the way you are, so be it. You know, that's cool. Yeah. Just tell someone that because that exactly. will work with that. Someone else, um, have you seen the show Ted Lasso? I have not seen the show. No. Um, I, can't, I think it's on Netflix or it's on, no, it's on Apple TV. Oh my God. It's so, so good. But that's a bit of a tangent from, they had this one, he had this one line. I wish I could remember where he jokes about, you know, having to go home and pretend he's going to floss. And so like, my thing is I always set my, my dental cleanings roughly um, two months after my birthday. Cause then I use my birthday as a reminder. I better start flossing before I go to the dentist. So, because <laughs> I don't do it every day, but you know, right. those times where I'm reminded to, and it kind of forces me to. So same thing, yeah. know thyself. Um, that's all. If you're not going to do it when you're on your own, let somebody know and they'll work with you on that. Yeah. I've also told patients, I've, you know, over the years, I've reduced my homework for clients. I'd say, listen, just do this one or two, these one or two things. That's all I'm asking you to do. It'll take about 10 minutes, but you're just trying to figure out what's going to have the most effect and the least amount of time for that person. That's a, that's a great idea. And so even if for, for therapists who are going to give you a, an encyclopedia of homework, just ask them pick the one thing that if I did that one thing, it would make you happy. Exactly. Um, and I think that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> cool. So if people would like to get in touch with you and find out more about what you're up to, how would they do that? Uh, they can email us at info at gonextlevelphysio.com or they can actually find us on Facebook um, or Instagram or handles uh, Next Level Physio. My email is jerry at gonextlevelphysio.com so they can reach me there as well. Awesome. 
Well, Jerry, it's been, again, a total, total pleasure. I hope people do avail you of um, getting in touch to find out more about how you can be helpful for them uh, near and far away. And uh, for anybody else, thanks for being part of this. Again, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com to get previous episodes, to subscribe, to find out about upcoming episodes, to um, see all the places you can interact with us on all the social media channels, et cetera. And if you have any questions or comments or someone you think should be on the Movement Movement podcast, drop me an email. I'm at move at join the movement movement.com. Of course, check out zero shoes. I'm crazily not wearing a zero shoes t-shirt right now, simply because my wife and I just moved into a new house that's being renovated and uh, I didn't bring enough laundry uh, or enough clean stuff. And we have, and we don't have a laundry room set up. So, um, but go to zero shoes.com if you want to check out our shoes. And most importantly, whatever you're doing, go out, have fun and live life feet first. Thank you very much, Steve.